is our Tuesday key market drivers call for January 9th. Um, uh, I guess we'll start off by uh, giving the congratulatory nod to uh, Michigan, won the national championship last night pretty handily, actually. Um, first quarter and fourth quarter, they did pretty good. Second and third, they kind of didn't do much, but I guess that's all you got to do, right? And I might add that uh, they say this is, you know, their next one since 96. 96 doesn't Seven. count. Yeah. Or 97. That doesn't count. Yeah, that doesn't, that, that doesn't count. You got to go all the way back to 48. That was a, that was a split uh, split decision that year, and a much better team was the uh, was the recipient of the other vote, right? Yeah, yeah. The coaches poll. Um, we won't get any further into that, probably. Mm -hmm. There's our contact info. As always, we would love to hear from you if there's anything we can do to make this uh, a better or more useful call. Uh, I would I would say that this is probably one of those times when you've heard us say before that it, it's pretty easy to figure out what's driving markets. Um, it's not always easy because of that to figure out what's going to happen next because kind of this time of the year for South America and kind of, you know, you get out into the growing season here, uh, weather's the big driver, but we've talked before about predicting weather ain't so easy, but the weather's just gotten a lot better in South America. And that's probably, um, you know, on the, the, the list of, of top five things that are driving the market, that's probably one, two, and four. Um, maybe three and five or the other two up there. And as long as we're talking about weather, I, I would throw this, you know, snowmageddon on on top of that. It, this snow is seen as a good thing here in the Midwest uh, for certainly for winter wheat, because that brings moisture uh, to not only winter wheat, but to, uh, you know, drought areas for corn and soybeans. But it also brings protection from this big, big deep freeze that we got coming yeah. over the weekend. Yeah, so, so that that is, we got a lot of the hard red winter wheat areas got a decent amount of snow. Right, and a lot of what I read yesterday, market commentary uh, was talking about, you know, one of the reasons we saw Chicago wheat down as hard as we did yesterday uh, was because of this big snow. Coming. Snow on it. Yep. Yeah. What is the old adage you've always told us that uh, it's almost like the market is obligated at some point in January or February to talk about winter kill when it gets cold. Yeah, we're just not going to do it today. We'll wait till gonna, next week. We're going to put that, that that'll well, be something we'll talk about. I was just going to say, it's January, and I, lo I love how, you know, it's been relatively warm up here in Minnesota, and the forecast here this, this over the weekend and next week, there's a few days where the nighttime lows are getting down below zero, and, and people are acting like this is a newsflash. It's like, this happens every year. It's not new, it's, but I guess the market happens? needs something to trade on, right? Yeah, you know why it happens? Because you live in Minnesota. Well, there's that. <laughs> <laughs> There's that. Um, probably should have had a fourth bullet on here. We've been, uh, we'll talk about it on the next slide. Actually, a, a couple slides down. We, we have this very, very big, important report uh, coming out on Friday, uh, January WASD, which will include the final production numbers, D1 stocks. Uh, we'll get winter wheat acres. So we've got a lot of stuff going on on Friday that we'll show you what the uh, market is expecting. Uh, that, that second bullet I did want to mention, uh, crude oil prices back down to the $70 mark. Uh, we'll tell you why on the next slide, but I think the other thing to keep in mind um, is that it, it also has been a market that has found support at or around 70 bucks. Um, we get down to 70 bucks, we've stuck our head below that up briefly a couple times, not by much, and it bounces back up. I don't know if you guys saw, but there was actually, I don't know if we talked about it last week or not, but there was a, um, 
the U.S. government stepped in and bought some oil, not a lot, dropping the bucket for what they took out, but bought some oil uh, to go back into the Strategic Petroleum Reserve. And, and our thoughts have kind of, as you know, been, you've been listening to these for very long, have been that it's probably a market that's going to continue to find support at 70 bucks, A, because that's what's been, it's it, it showed us, and B, because of the stated policy of the government to, to refill it at levels at and below that. So uh, and I think thoughts, I think yeah. somebody in the government got a promotion because they they touted highly as a not a cost savings measure, but they bought it at levels well below where they sold it. So they they actually were making money for the taxpayer. So, yeah, they not only did they yeah. buy oil, but they're actually making money for us. So. I mean, that's actually good. Rare as hell for the government, too, as you know. But I, I think a lot of people would argue that that's kind of probably not why we put it in there, you know, and it's my money to start with. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, I didn't see my taxes go down because they made money on that. But um, I think the third thing that's maybe a, a little bit of that rising and falling tide that lifts and drops all boats, U.S. dollar index had a pretty good bounce here uh, in the last week. Um, higher dollar, lower commodity prices, general. Is that a big part of what's going on? No, I think that top bullet there uh, is easily uh, the, the big part of what's going on. Uh, you know, why is the dollar moving around a little bit? Well, I think the market, we got the just this jobs report out Friday. That was part of it. Now, had it already started to bounce a bit? But that jobs report, I don't think the market knew what to do with that because on the face of it, 216,000 jobs created in December was well above what the market was looking for. Uh, we've been in this kind of good news is bad news sort of market and vice versa because Bad news that shows the economy slowing and wage growth is slowing and job growth is slowing means maybe the Fed is a little bit more comfortable starting to reduce interest rates because they think that they've gotten this, that they're heading towards this soft landing. Uh, the initial reaction, I think, to that jobs report was, oh, my God, this is going to make it hard for the Fed to start dropping interest rates at their March meeting, which, as we told you last week, the Fed funds rate futures are indicating the market thinks they're going to. However, however, as has happened several times, look at the revisions down in the middle part of that paragraph. They revised October and November down and not by a little bit, 73,000 jobs. So if you look at the quarter as a whole, the job market only made 115,000 jobs a month. That would be much more in line with what the Fed might be looking for as confirmation that they're getting things slowed down. So uh, I don't know. Then you throw that wage growth in there. That's a healthy number. Uh, wage growth often feeds inflation. Uh, matter of fact, that's what they teach, I think, in the second or third chapter of your Econ 101 book in college. So uh, I think there's a little bit. The key question here at the end, what's the Fed going to do with this information? Uh, I suppose we'll see. <laughs> well, and I think the other thing too, Dave, I, I was reading last night uh, as I was putting together some information on the uh, currency slide, and a lot of the jobs that were added in, in December apparently were uh, government jobs, public jobs. Yep. That, that's and, the thing I, I'm yeah, sorry, Nate. <clears throat> well, I was going to say there are some economists looking at this and they're saying that if you're looking for signs that the actual economy, the the production side of the economy is slowing, even though we added 216,000 jobs, most of them weren't actually in manufacturing and production. They were in government, which that doesn't really add to the economy. So they said, and to your point, not only did we revise the number down, but most of the jobs we're adding aren't even in manufacturing. So they're probably achieving more than what they than what it looks like they are on the surface. Yeah, and our grandkids are paying for them. So well, yeah, and we I that going for us. I saw a a story over the weekend, and I tried to go back and find it and, and couldn't come up with it because. 
I told Dave this story and he wasn't quite believing me, but I read a story that said that each and every month in 2023 showed a downward revision when it was all said and done of the jobs. That yeah, is accurate. I, would, that I, is accurate. I read and, that last night. I went back and reread the article that, that I had. I told you I was just skimming it to get the Daily Wire done. And it did say, that's the last paragraph, which I don't know why they waited that long. They didn't talk about every month, but that's where I got the, uh, the October, November. Right. Um, so I guess that has been the trend. I don't think they revised all those every other month down on this report. No. I think the trend has been that in the next month or two or three after something comes out that month. Because I think you get your final revision two months later. You get an initial revision and a secondary revision, I think. Oh, okay. Uh, why was crude oil down so much yesterday? Well, it's that second bullet there. The Saudis decided that... Uh, you know, they're having trouble getting rid of it at these prices. Uh, I love to see that because they'd like to think that they got more control than I hope that they have. Uh, the other thing is it's just, you know, you've heard us say a thousand times, and this, I guess, is a thousand and one. Best cure for high prices is high prices. U.S. production is expected to be record large, um, passing that 19, uh, 2019 record. So still got the uh, shipping difficulties at the Panama Canal because of low water. Still have the shipping difficulties in the Red Sea. Uh, because they're still shooting. I uh, got this international uh, flotilla, if you will, trying to provide some protections. But three yesterday was it is the, the big container ship company. Is it Maersk? Maersk. I knew it wasn't Merck. That's the pharmaceuticals. But yeah. <clears throat> they've decided they're still going to be going around the Horn of Africa. So uh, that slows things up. It reduces capacity, raises freight rates. So uh, I, I don't know when that's going to end. It's uh, Unrest in the Middle East, you know, you start reading the Old Testament, you kind of figure out that this stuff's been going on for quite a while, uh, for at least 3,000 years. So I don't know, uh, probably enough about that. There's your crude oil, uh, not quite down to where we were uh, before Christmas, but uh, certainly heading that way uh, at a pretty good clip here. Uh, and then there's your dollar index. There's the bounce we were talking about here in the last week or 10 days. So that looks pretty similar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, is that was that bouncing the dollar pressure in crude oil? And I think that uh, very good possibility that might be some of it. So yeah. let's talk about the report. Uh, so you got production yields um, uh, on the left hand side here. Let's go there first. I'm going to take you right to the production part here. Let's look at yields. 174.9. That's what the USDA was in November. Uh, 49.9 on beans, right where they were in, in uh, November. Uh, production numbers for both crops are not different enough to be material, not even close. So the market is looking for pretty much a photocopy. Uh, what does history tell us? Well, history tells us that that's probably closer to the norm. I think, Scott, you read this article to me this morning. Uh, statistically, the odds for January changes are, are, are not all but a done deal. However, there is a correlation close to 100% over time between the November yield and the January. So that is kind of the norm. I think a lot of the other shakeups we get in the market because of this report have a lot more to do with probably D1 stocks. Right. Um, or acres. Or, or, your, or, your, or your winter wheat acres, right? <laughs> that's that's, that's kind of a wild card yeah. that it can be. Well, I Were tell you, you guys saying at FarmCon that they had a little bit of a different view last week? Yep, yep. I was just going to mention that that at FarmCon, the the tone of the uh, the panels was a little bit different, especially on. I don't know that they really talked much about soybeans, but on corn, Scott, they were they were all kind of 
anticipating a larger corn crop. And it wasn't so much just on stocks. It was actually production, right? Right. On production and yields. Um, I, I didn't talk to to too many individual producers, but uh, the panels that we're talking about, I think you could say pretty easily that the they would have all taken overs on 175. Mm-hmm. So, well, I know we were talking a couple months ago. We actually started talking about this when the first report came out from uh, um, uh, is it is it FAS, a part of the USDA. You know, the, the the USDA, I think in October did revise acres up a little bit on corn. I don't think they've ever done much on beans. And you remember those prevent plant? We had a great spring, and the early prevent plant data indicated that maybe there's some more acres out there. So. Uh, I know this article, Scott, that you were you were showing me that I got sitting here in front of me was also talking about, you know, is that a possibility here where we do end up finding a little bit more production, even if yields don't go up uh, because we get a bit of a bump uh, out of the acres? I think by December, you got your final prevent plant totals, don't you? You should have. Yep. The last bump we had on corn was in <laughs> September. <laughs> oh, it's September Wasdy. Yeah, okay. we got those 800,000 more acres. Yep. But they never done much at all on beans. I think they had a teeny tiny itty bitty little revision that that was a less than 200,000. Mm-hmm. Hey, Dave, is it is it I, my my memory isn't perfect, but is it the last couple of years where the bean crop just kind of kept getting bigger throughout the year? Um, well, you know, you, you've heard the adage, big crops get bigger, and I think that's uh, that's happened more than than once. But um, this one, it, it it so far hasn't. Now it has trended a little bit larger, um, but we really haven't seen any gigantic moves. Didn't the government start out at like forty nine two or three, is my recollection, uh, on beans, uh, and a little bit lower than that on corn? So I think that they have very slowly trended higher. Maybe to your point, Nate. Maybe that's another reason we might get a little bit higher. That's what we said on the call last week, or this call last week is, you know, that big crop gets bigger. And since it's gotten a little bit bigger, I thought we would see average trade estimates um, for a little bit bigger crops. That's clearly not what's on paper, but uh, safe to say that that probably fits the FarmCon bias and probably fits my bias a little bit. Well, the other thing at FarmCon, and not to get too far off in the ditch, but uh, one of the speakers, was actually talking about the fact that she said in the U.S. we focused a little bit too closely on the supply side of the balance sheet. She said, I think you all are missing a big piece, and that's that global demand just right now is not there. And and maybe it goes back to, you know, whether it's COVID recovery or, or whatever the hell it is. But, you know, she talked about China and some of the countries in Southeast Asia and, and just, you know, the demand isn't there. So is that is that going to impact our stocks in the U.S.? You know, I think we look at it. We think nobody's buying our stuff because uh, we're high. I'm talking more products. Nobody's buying our yeah. stuff because we're high priced. But um, is it just simply because there's not demand there? I don't know. It, it'll be interesting right. to see how this plays out, especially as we get into the spring with, uh, you know, trying to export more meal and stuff. But, but yeah, not not to throw uh, Emily French under the bus, but I, I wonder when she says global demand isn't that good. I, I wonder what she's looking at because if you look at Chinese import data. To date, um, they're kind of running along. I realize it's the pace date is, you know, we're not halfway through the crop year, at least from the data we got, we're a quarter way through the crop year. But um, Chinese import data at this point doesn't indicate that they're likely to be below last year's number. Now, they're not probably going to blow it out of the water, at least based on what we can see today. But I wonder what that's about. Well, Scott, and do, you, I can... do you recall any more detail on that, Scott? Yeah, I was just going to say she did call out China specifically and um and, and I don't have my notes here in front of me, and that's not a good thing. 
but she was talking about overall, not necessarily on ag imports, but oh. all of their imports together are uh, really, really down uh, f- compared to what where they have been. Okay, I thought she was talking. I, about I, I apologize, I can't come up with any specific numbers, but that was her whole take that that a lot of this, you know, we're, we're not focusing on demand thing mm-hmm. lies very heavily on China. Okay, okay. I think the only other call out that I had here, and then I'll let Scott talk about wheat. Uh, we've been talking about South America. We've been talking about South American weather. The market would tell you that, oh my gosh, we're really going to be interested in what the USDA has to say. And then they will immediately ignore it. Uh, when it comes to South American production, um, the USDA is not cutting edge. I'm not being critical at all, but they are a follower. They will slowly take production up as weather is good, and they will slowly take production down. They are always behind the market. So uh, you can see there the market's looking for some downward revisions and uh, from their prior estimates on corn and bean production in Brazil because of the early bad weather. Um, one of the things I will call out, look at that corn number for Brazil, 125.2. That is down from 129 last month. Cordonier is at 117. Uh, that doesn't smell right to me. He's looking for a lot bigger acreage reduction. Uh, but at any rate, the market will watch that and then immediately write the numbers off. Uh, what are we going to find out in wheat today This is or, uh, on Friday? Yeah, well, <laughs> that's a wild card. If you look there at the average trade guesses, they're looking for, and again, all we're going to get is winter wheat acres, right? That's the only thing that we can measure at this point. The total winter wheat acres, that number there that you're looking at is down. Uh, that's in the neighborhood of down two and a half percent. The soft red winter wheat number is is down uh, just shy of four percent. Now, it's interesting um, sitting there from, from last year or from the prior estimate from last year. Okay. From okay. last year, this is going to be your first estimate for winter wheat oh, okay. acres, uh, on everything. Now I was in the, you know, plus or minus camp, honestly, uh, talking to bill about things and bill maybe is a little more in the maybe down 2%, uh, area. Uh, I'm not sure that I buy that, uh, because we had all of the abandonment that we had a year ago. Uh, or this this past uh, season, I thought it was interesting going back to FarmCon. There was a guy there um, talking about soft red winter wheat acres being down 20 percent. I almost stood up at that <coughs> point and slapped my wallet on the table and said, I'll take the, uh, you know, the what, unders on 20 percent. What color but, is the Volt BS flag? Well, right. <laughs> I, I, I You see here, these are average trade guesses down about 3.8 percent, 4 percent. You know, we we had a wetter fall. Uh, it was harder getting some of those beans out, um, you know, in, in soft red winter wheat areas. And so maybe that's going to affect acres a little bit. But, man, I don't see 20 percent at all. Um, but I guess I'll leave it. My, my last comment would be that, that sometimes these winter wheat acres can be a bit of a wild card. Yep. Yep. So I don't think the the market you see here isn't looking for anything huge. Uh, it will be a bit of a surprise if it's outside of those. Yep. First quarterly stocks report for the fall spring planted fall harvested crops. Upper right is your estimates there. So uh, those numbers materially, I would I don't know. It's going to be an important part of the report, but the, the numbers you can't really line them up. I think many cases historically. So. Uh, certainly, the market looking for a, a big bump in wheat stocks relative to a year ago. Uh, tiny drawdown on soybeans uh, and a huge bump in corn stocks. 
uh, corn situation in the U.S. is largely fixed. So uh, that's what's going on there. I honestly don't go, don't want to spend a whole lot of time on these other ones because really the story with corn is we've been saying this for months. Um, corn's probably not going to be able to give a lot of ground until beans come down. Well, beans are coming down. Uh, beans are coming down, and as uh, we correctly predicted, which we are uh, correct some of the time and incorrect some of the time, just like everybody else in this crazy business. But I don't think it's a whole lot more complicated for corn that it's just coming down because beans coming down. Right. It's better weather solved. So what about the wheat markets? Well, uh, we continued to go down last week. We've been on a little bit of a roller coaster here in the last uh, several weeks and, and through the, the, the holiday periods. Um, down double digits this last week, uh, you know, call it uh, 2% or so uh, across all three markets. If you By the way, that might be a theme today. Right. Everything that we have on here. On the, on the on the on the grain side is down this is week, down last week yeah, yeah. you see uh, just yesterday Chicago March was down double digits that was a five week low the Kansas City and Minneapolis markets were a six week low so um, Matif you see there <coughs> it's not or or Matif is the way it looks like it's actually pronounced Matif that is the name of the French futures market that was a new contract low that's uh, Matif is is generally a um, uh, what's the word I'm I'm looking for, but that's the the big general market in Europe uh, that wheat. gets traded for wheat. Um, so everything is kind of pointed down. Uh, the bearish side of things, I think, were led by these uh, winter wheat conditions. We don't get national conditions um, for everything. You know, when we start doing that in the spring, we'll get them every single week. Well, we don't do that throughout the winter months. There's just not a heck of a lot of news there. But we do get monthly values for a few key states. And so you can see there for the end of December, we've got you know Colorado, Illinois, Kansas, Montana, Nebraska, Oklahoma, South Dakota, and Texas. And you can see where the that's their good to excellent numbers. Honestly, pretty decent numbers. Those are the best winter wheat conditions we have seen in probably about four years. One call out might be the Illinois number at 55%. That looks pretty doggone good. Well, a year ago, we were way up in the 70s. Yeah. So yeah. Um, yeah. that's, I don't think that's a big call out. Um, this snowstorm that we're getting um, uh, here across the Midwest today is going to provide good moisture and, more importantly, going to provide protection against this, these very, very cold temps that we're going to show you here the dark in the forecast of the dark blue colors right and and finally i i think that uh on top of this this good snow that we're getting from a moisture perspective we just haven't ever seen any more demand out of china you know we got to go back over a month month and a half ago when china was was buying that soft red winter wheat from the united states and that was kind of a surprise we kept talking about rumors for more demand on soft red winter. It never materialized. Um, and, and I think that, uh, you know, you can still get pretty cheap wheat from our, uh, you know, old Vlad over there in Russia. And even though Ukraine went up 10 bucks, 230, you can still get cheap wheat and it is available out of the Black Sea. Um, maybe not as much out of Ukraine as it was certainly two years ago, but the, the wheat is plentiful and, and the uh, the path of least resistance is lower. Yeah, that certainly seems to be the trend. Well, thank you, Scott. I'm going to pedal fast here, too, because honestly, you see how much beans were down 
Uh, clearly, uh, soybean meal is taking the brunt of that downturn. Uh, oil was down a little bit again for the second week, but down a little bit again for the second week. Uh, again, I think you got this renewable fuel link to the energy markets. And we've said before, our bias here is that we will see the energy markets kind of support here because of the government illness, petroleum reserves. So as beans go lower, it seems like meals going lower with it. Why are they going lower? Well, weather. It's better weather in South America. It's, it really, honest to God, is that simple. And similarly for the veg oil markets, the palm oil market has been parked here kind of between 820 and 830 for, I don't know, month, month and a half. It just doesn't seem to be wanting to go anywhere. You know, production's dropping this time of the year. That always startles the market a little bit, but I, I don't really see this market going anywhere, uh, certainly unless the weather gets bad because of El Nino, and certainly that's not the case at this point. It's just the time of the year where production drops and stocks drop, and that always can be a little bit unnerving, but uh, I don't know that this is a market probably worthy of a whole lot of time and energy spent either. So I think that brings us to the dairy markets. Jay, what's going on in, on uh, these markets? Well, good morning, Dave. Say, I'm going to build off some of the comments that you guys have been making in the grain complex, which is around demand. You're going to hear some, I'm going to focus on the supply side for the dairy complex. But you're going to hear some comments from me and you'll kind of, you know, shake your head and go, well, if that's true, why aren't prices going up? And the thing, it's a market psychology that's kind of in the dairy complex. And I'm hearing the same thing on the grain side. So I want to keep I want uh, people to keep that in mind as I focus on the supply side. So we'll talk about milk, cheese and butter, <coughs> starting with milk. Um, keep in mind. Independent forecasters right now are calling for lower milk production here in the U.S., Europe, and New Zealand. But if you look at the current cash prices for milk, they're within the five-year average. So again, I'm calling that out because there's a little bit of a disconnect. And my thought is maybe it's on the demand side. Um, I think the market psychology right now is, yes, we're going to get less milk. But prices aren't really responding, at least right now, to overall lower milk production across the big, big producers, um, U.S., Europe, and New Zealand. On the cheese front, spot cheese is in the 140s. That makes us the cheapest cheese supplier internationally in the market right now. The issue is going to be, can cheese manufacturers book export sales going forward? And it's really hard for them here in the U.S. to book export sales when there's a 40 cents per pound carry built into the futures market. You so got that on the next slide? What's that? There yeah. you, there's your, yeah, that's there the middle go. one, right? Yeah, so when cheese is cheap at 140 on the spot, that's great for spot purchases. But let's say you want to buy a quarter or you want to buy six months. Well, it's going to cost you 40 cents per pound more to do that wow. business. So that makes buyers a little wary on doing and making any commitments to that. The other thing from a supply side for the cheese market is there's many new plants coming online in 2024 and 2025. So market psychology is saying, I'm going to have lower milk. I'm going to have more cheese capacity coming online. That should drive prices in one direction versus another and the market's just not right there right now so it's 
there's I, I understand it's mixed signals and I want to share that with everybody because it gets to be a little wonky as we're going through there. But I think for cheese, cheap spot, steep uh, premiums built into the carry structure for the futures. At the same time, new cheese capacity coming in on board in 2024 and 2025. Well, when you take that and sell it into the butter market, what's happening in the butter market right now is everybody's looking saying, well, if we, we have lower milk, we got new cheese capacity coming on board this year, next year. Are we going to have enough milk for butter? Butter's not sexy like cheese. Cheese is thought of as being sexy from a product perspective. Butter's just kind of butter. So the butter market's responding that to that with a, an inversion right now on the spot side. Um, right now, people are trying to fill pipeline backfill from the holidays. So the market's a little bit inverted, but the butter market builds stocks, which is what we normally do in Q1 and Q2. We build those stocks, draw them down in Q3 and Q4. That inversion on the market has to kind of go away and we have to move to a carry structure. Again, so I'm throwing a lot at everybody at the same time. It's mixed signals, but here's the key takeaways. Forecasters calling for lower milk production, increasing cheese production, spot prices are cheap right now, and concerns about are we going to have enough milk to support butter production in Q1 and Q2 to build stocks for the drawdown in three and four. All right. Well, thank you, Jay. I guess one of the questions came to my mind is uh, markets, you say the market's got to build some carries on butter. Yeah, um, yeah. Is it do that by the front going up or the back coming down? That's always the $64 million question, ain't it? It is. It is. It's one of those things I rack my head about. Um, honestly, my opinion is I think the nearby spot, once we get a few more trading days underneath our belts, I think the spot will come down to a more reasonable number and go into carry structure. And then it's just a matter of watching how the stocks are building as we progress through uh, the winter here and going to the uh, traditional spring frost, if you will, in March and April. All right. Uh, well, thank you, Jay. I uh, haven't talked about U.S. weather for a bit, but here's the uh, the 6 to 10 and 8 to 14, 14 day outlooks temperature on the left. You can see the cold air coming. Uh, this is the time of the year I typically call my friends in Canada and ask them if they could please. They wouldn't mind keep their dang cold air up there. Uh, but you can see we got a big cold air mass moving down. This would normally be a, oh, my God, winter kill wheat rally, right? Right. It isn't this year because of the snow. Well, at least not yet. Uh, we'll see what how much snow uh, fall comes out of this thing. And we'll be able to, uh, you know, put some snow coverage maps and take a look at those yeah, be good in idea. a week from now and, and see. Mm -hmm. uh, because, honestly, uh, best winter wheat especially best hard red winter wheat conditions we've seen in about four or five years yeah so trying to markets trying to balance all that stuff off so let me show you south america uh another good week of rain in brazil not real widespread in argentina but they are sitting pretty right now trying to get the crop finished up getting planted so uh not a problem and look at those maps Good rain in Argentina, good rain in Brazil. This right here, I probably could have saved you guys some time today and just started with this map.
By the way, uh, Weather Girl Paige is uh, not on here with us today. She has a bit of a cold and sounds like a heavy smoker, so uh, decided that uh, one of us would do it. But really, this is probably big reason. I guess maybe we saved the best for last, but this is this is the answer to the question: Why are why are markets grain markets trending lower? This is probably the biggest piece right here. So. Uh, also, I suppose I should mention it. We got a huge report on Friday. Uh, as you know, we do these occasional beer in the backs uh, that we will record and put on our YouTube channel. Uh, really, it, it is literally a two beer discussion uh, where we'll sit around and kick around the report and what Uncle Sam told us and try to give you a little bit of insight into what it may or may not mean going forward. So I uh, hope you can uh, join us on that. Uh, uh, well, again, we'll have that typically published, I think, on our YouTube channel sometime mid-afternoon, I think, uh, on Friday. The report comes out at 11. So, any rate, as always, there's our contact info. We would love to hear from you. And as always, be careful out there.